2: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome
0: to the Nerdist Podcast number 673. Katie, one's on the Nerdist Community Courtboard by emailing events at Nerdist.com?
1: Well, first, there is a, if you live in Pittsburgh, and well, you you're... You
0: know I don't.
1: and Well, there's some be some people that do. I'm
0: sorry, I just focus. on
1: this. Uh, then they they are in the comedy and want to be, or maybe they want to start comedy. Yeah. I don't know, or they want to go to an open mic. There's an open mic called Comedy Sauce every Monday at nine p.m. at the Pleasure Bar in Bloomfield. Which is, I guess, near Pittsburgh. I don't know. I don't know the exact geography of Pennsylvania, but they say Bloomfield within Pittsburgh.
0: Okay. Well, next week when we come back, we're going to do a geography test and I want you to tell me every major region of Pennsylvania.
1: But it sounds fun. And it sounds like if you're getting into comedy and live in Pittsburgh, you should go check that out. Fantastic. Uh, Also, one of our listeners named Zoe, uh, there is no last name, she runs a sports speaker series across North America that is uh it's like TED Talks but it's all about baseball. Jonah Carey has been on it and some upcoming events uh are in New York City on May 27th and June 8th and you can find more information at pitchtalksbaseball.com. But it sounds really cool. It sounds like if you're into baseball and you're into kind of like you know, all the minutiae of baseball, you would really enjoy this.
0: Matt Myra should do that.
1: He would (laughs) love it. Yeah.
0: Go talk about it.
1: Yeah, that's it. So, uh, that's, that's what we got for today.
0: Do you want to promote anything of your own?
1: Listen to the podcast. We, uh, we have pro you with Tom, Tom. which has been doing great. We have, you know, ding donger with Matt Bronger, the kale, uh, and We have so many other shows. Just go to Nerdist.com and click podcast to find you're them
0: all. A, you're a busy lady, Yep. Katie, producing the shit out of all this this quality <laughs> digital audio entertainment. You're a you're you're kind of a you you you're, you're sort of the Duchess of of comedy podcasting. I think the podcast podcasting would largely not exist if you did not exist. If oh. you were in if you were in like a this, is a, this is a, you know, it's a wonderful life, mm-hmm. and you were like, Clarence, I wish I was never born, So many podcasts. There would be no
1: podcast. <laughs> there would be almost no
0: podcasts. So just know that when you go to bed at night, you're important. Thank you. All right, good. I'm glad you feel, I'm glad you feel better about <laughs> it. This episode is Matthew Weiner, who created a show called Mad Men. that's now on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. on AMC, which is in its final.
1: Oh, it's almost, it's dead. almost, it's almost done. done. Yeah, it's weird.
0: It is weird. That show's been on for like eight years. I know.
1: Eight. If you watch older episodes, it's so weird to see how they've all grown. It's so interesting. Yeah, they all I know. Look so different.
0: Eight years is a long time. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what he does next.
1: Yeah, I I I always like when he's on because we talk about the Sopranos, which is <laughs> my favorite show of all
0: time. <laughs> you get a little bit. You get a little behind the curtain.
1: I, I, oh yeah, I was asking him all these questions.
0: But you know, Matt's an incredibly insightful guy, and and and. And uh, great, great with information about stuff that you love And also just about how to, you know, if you're and and you an artist of any type Preferably a writer in this case uh, There's a lot of information to, to be gleaned from, from listening to Matt talk so, Definitely uh, Here's the Nerdist Podcast number 673 with Matthew Weiner
1: Now
2: entering Nerdist.com I can't believe you have any kind of health issues. (laughs) You must. uh, You only have. Is this? uh, You only have nine shows. I know. Well, it's it's it's
0: chiropractic.
2: My. Does it work?
0: Yes, I have an amazing chiropractor. It's just the bad part is that he is in Altadena, which is like the north edge of Pasadena. And so uh, it's beautiful. It's nice, but it's far and I, I was traveling doing stand-up all weekend and I'm just like I'm sitting on planes and carrying bags and I came back all twisted up so I had to sneak over and you have a
2: good pillow? Uh, a travel pillow? no pillow you travel oh, with a pillow? no but some I people, people do, do. I some know, people a lot do of comics do actually
0: no I don't I do have a or good I pillow I sanitary or some <laughs> thing I didn't know it was actually in there. I don't know I, I think some people just like a, a pillow like a security it's a security pillow for some people where they just like to have their own my pillow my
2: grandmother had her own did she carry together? It it had, had a satin
0: pillowcase on it because for oh. her hair. Uh, oh, did that help keep it, the it hair in place? the
2: Hairstyle from getting messed up. Really? It was so slippery or something.
0: Oh, I, I didn't know. know that. Yeah, you can still buy them. Satin we, we pillowcases. The yeah. My, uh, my grandfather had satin sheets. <laughs> that were. What did he do? He my 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 mom's dad ran. Uh, Couple bowling centers in Miami. Oh right, we talked about yeah, this, yeah. right? And so I he, totally
2: forgot that. Yeah, and he had, to, and then because in the 80s, so he wore satin all the time, probably <laughs> right, satin well, jacket.
0: He did not wear a satin jacket, but he was a pretty hip, modern kind of a guy. And in the eighties, like he had a swinging bachelor pad. That, oh, you wow, know, like satin sheets and modern art on the walls like he was he was one
2: of those guys it definitely has a sex vibe but my grandmother's was not it was it was it was it was, it was purple or like pink and it never went with the sheets the rest of the sheets weren't like it it was her, her pillow for her hair too her very own hair We pillow. were seeing all of these things and I had women like tell it to me anecdotally that they would cuz they get your it cost money to get your hair done mm mm-hmm. And they would only do it once a week, and then by the end of the week, it would be, you know, you'd have to go get it done again. But they would not shower. They'd wear bathing caps stuff right. like that. But maybe they'd do like a curling iron to spruce it up a little bit, hairspray, try and get it where it was. But most of the time, they would frequently wrap it in toilet paper. Oh, I didn't know before that. Before they went to sleep to sort of have it keep its shape.
0: That's unbelievable. Because we, I was I just. To oh, really? Yeah. Wrap it in toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. Well my, my um my the the person who's opening for me on the road is um a comic named April Richardson and we were it's one of my best friends and we were um really funny too. But as we, we were walking through the airport and we saw a lady in her mid fifties that had the standard super short mom haircut and she was like she's like I hope I never get the mom haircut. And I go, <laughs> yeah, but listen, you know, you probably get to a certain point where you just want a utilitarian – I mean, it doesn't look I bad. I part of it but is.
2: cutting all the hair off is like you don't have to deal with it. Somewhere along the lines, they told women <clears> – <throat> first of all, there's a bunch of movie stars that have it, and they look amazing. And yeah. so you think you're going to look amazing. Second of all, they tell women that if your hair, that long hair is for young people. And when you get to be a certain age, if your hair is still long, that you basically look like you're trying to look young. Really? Yes. This is. I'm positive of okay, this. Okay. Okay. And and I don't think that it's true necessarily. And then every once in a while, there's some woman who's like goes prematurely gray at like 30, and it's like I don't know why people don't like gray hair, and like they look amazing, and it's yeah. this like weird sex thing actually. Like they're wearing a <laughs> white white wig, right? They look like. Like uh, Seca, <laughs> yeah, Yep. and then they're so so. You never know what it is, but I think that that Joey Heatherton, like short, you know, there's a whole bunch of Goldie Hawn had it in the '60s, yeah. and it was that that pixie thing or whatever. And I think that they think it's going to make them look youthful in some way, but I don't know if your hair, like you know, you get older, your hair, like if you know, if you're a woman, your hair gets thinner, right? And this is the whole beautiful thing is that a woman can wear a wig. Like, anytime they want to, and it's not – there's nothing wrong with it, but they don't do it. You know, we but should bring back guy wigs.
0: I agree with like, you. Like Mozart-style you know, guy,
2: <laughs> like Mozart guy wigs, like p- giant powdered wigs. In the National Gallery – no, uh, yeah, there was a painting of Washington, George Washington, which is like a famous painting of him because it's the only one where he goes painted without his wig on. <gasps> and he looks like uh, – what did he look like? Katie, find that picture. It's pretty amazing, actually. He looks – so Washington looks like so, like somebody famous, believe it or not, without the without the whole. He went raw you know, dog on the hair. Yeah, he's not complete. You know what? He looks a little bit like Joe Biden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: really? Yeah, he's just kind of like he's very. It's gray. Yeah, and it's thin. So, but it's kind of hard. Maybe like if Steve Martin was like bald, okay. like kind of like okay. that, like a little, like a little. Was it kind of receding and thinning? And oh, stuff? it's super receding and thinning. Obviously, that's why he wore the. You know, I mean, oh, it's not the only. They wow. all wore wigs all the time.
0: This, yeah. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, of course. It's, it's. Doesn't he? Who does he look like? He looks a little like.
2: um... He's got a doughy face. (laughs) It looks like he could be a Baldwin. (laughs) That's amazing. That is
0: very good. a little like he could be a Baldwin, you know?
2: I think he looks like George Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We we had a Naked Truth episode that I did. When I was on that show where it was the forgotten Baldwin brother. It was played by John Hawk, actually. Do you know oh, that actor? No. Yeah. You do know, you know this guy. They, okay. Yeah. yeah uh, he was uh, in Marcy May Marlene, Martha Marlene or okay. whatever. And, and that was, was the... Nick sure of the... Ta- was that Taylione? Taylione, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he played Dwayne Baldwin, who was the extra <laughs> Baldwin brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: who Washington looks like. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's... Yeah, because we have these images of these people of just like you see them on the do- on a dollar bill, and you're like, oh, that's what they look like. Well, like, no, that was some prep.
2: But you know what? That was a very naturalistic time in art. Even the you know a little bit after that, they start doing them as like Roman senators, and they right. like, you know, and you get. But, but it was a time when there's like a lot of um, detail in it, and you get a feeling that that's really what they look like. Some of these paintings, like. They're pretty consistent. Ben, ben Franklin, you pretty much know what Ben Franklin looked like. Oh yeah, he really did look well. I mean, because there are times when everybody's sort of idealized, like Julius Caesar. You don't really have a good sense of what he looked like, even though there's so many statues of him. Yeah. The weird thing to me about the hair thing, just to get back to this, is we had some conversation about uh, obviously because of the show about facial hair, and I I always associate it with you know. If you're if you're getting on the facial hair bandwagon, like it always is being determined by young people. Mm-hmm. And so you have a character like Robert Morse who has the who's Robert who like Cooper who had the goatee and the mustache, and like that's very much of his period. And And we sort of like have attitudes about it, and I was talking about these giant – the hipster beards, like who's going to – like what's that going to look like when those guys get old? Old people one day will once again – and prospectors will once again be wearing those (laughs) beards, right? Is it a way of suggesting that you're so handsome that you can wear this hideous beard? And then you look at something like the Civil War, and you see that the president – like Lincoln has really long hair. Yeah. General Custer has shoulder length hair. Yeah. The beards, the mutton chops—it has nothing to do with people's weight or anything like that. Everybody's got this long, like female hair. Like, how does that come in and go out? How does that? You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's generational. I think like the generation after that's like that's what our parents did. So then they do the opposite. You but know? It, you just think about employment prospects. Do sure. they do really do the opposite?
0: I, I think I think they do. I think they do. It's like if your parents are conservative, you probably grow your hair out. If your Parents are hippies, yeah. then maybe you're. You know, may- maybe you're a little. There, there's a really great. There was a really great side by side comparison of Lincoln. It was uh, at the beginning of his presidency and at oh, the yeah, end of they the have Civil those War. Pictures, they look terrible. And, it, and in the beginning, he looks really cool. And right. at the end, he just it just looks like yeah. someone just dragged him behind. Have you seen the
2: pictures of Obama? side by side, no. Oh, they've done it with all the presidents that they have photographs of. Probably starting with Lincoln. Uh, and they, I mean, and they look terrible. You should see what JFK looks like three years into that. And I mean, obviously he was killed, but before right. that. He looked really bad after that. He looked that. terrible yeah. in those photos after yeah. he was assassinated. He
0: really needed a wig after that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh come on, guys. What? Oh. What? You didn't know him? It was God. a long time ago, Kyle. Come on. What are we yeah. doing?
2: <laughs> I, mean, I have to be careful. Really sorry about that. I'm not, I'm not in the writers' room. Just, every, every once in a while, somebody gets caught in real life talking the way they do when they're in the writers' oh, room, yeah, and it's just you, you, like you horrible. Can't. You just like sort of say like, yeah. There's I, a certain
0: context in a writer's room. I know,
2: room. I know. You know, uh, you know. Look at uh, you know, uh, Al Franken. You know, has to like live down like the amazing comedy bits that he wrote. Like, you know, yep. what is Anne Frank getting for Christmas? <laughs> do you, remember, you know that joke. Like what is the worst thing to get her is a drum set? Yeah. You know, there was like, like that he had to like live all that down to go and become a politician. Of course, you know. I just think it's funny that you know now it's it, or we can't in a way. It's stuff that's legitimately funny but completely inappropriate.
0: Yeah, comedy does not really translate to any other.
2: The type of work where you, 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 I because- don't know what the difference is between our public conversation. I mean, it's Stalinist right now. The public conversation is so limited and there's so much outrage and there's so, Always, many, every there's day. so much policing and monitoring. And the ironic thing is it reminds me of when I was in college. I mean, we, we were talking about the Sopranos earlier. Half of the fun of the Sopranos was hearing somebody call bullshit on all the political correctness. Right. Which was completely uh, strangling our ability to even talk to each other. And humor is very touchy. Sure. Obviously, humor is like, you know, it's filled with stereotypes, and like racist humor is like something that. Always deserves a target on it. But then the more restricted you become, the more outrageous people are looking for in their racist jokes. Well, yeah, you get because someone it's... like Sarah Silverman who is saying the worst possible thing that she could possibly say. That's the joke. I, I love it. Yes. And I feel like people are up everybody's ass about it. It's
0: it. because, yes, it's it's sort of, um, it's, it's sort of, because uh, a lot of comedy is subverting power. So it's not that, you know, if Sarah makes a joke like that, she's not saying it like she literally means it. It's more uh-huh. of a commentary on, we're we're not supposed to say these things, and, but that's part of what comedy does. Is it goes after things that are taboo, and, right. and it always, and the history of I communication, know. it's always been that way. It's subverting, the popular things or like what
2: what people are afraid to but say. But the punishment <laughs> is worse than ever.
0: Well, I'm gonna. Uh, the, did you read John Ronson's book on public shaming? No. There's a, the guy. This guy named John Ronson, and he wrote The Men Who Stare at Goats, and he wrote I Frank, and he wrote the. And um, he wrote a book that was all about all books I have been given and not read.
2: <laughs> well, <you can laughs> I send... probably have this.
0: You could send with... it to me. I will. He <laughs> he wrote a, He wrote a really amazing article for New York Times Magazine, uh, all about basically the witch hunts and the public shaming. Where if you know if someone makes a kind of inappropriate joke that they would make with their friends, and some of the jokes that you see are like, okay, yeah, that was really bad, but some of them. It's like, ah, you know, if people are hanging out and they sort of – because they think in this social media bubble, like, oh, I have no followers. And then something happens and I then know. boom, boom. And then the entire world is like, you're the – fuck you. You're worse than Hitler. And they lose their job. They lose their family. They lose – that, like they lose everything Yeah, because last people person jump on the to, shame train. The last
2: person to take everything away from people for saying what they wanted to say was Hitler. <laughs>
0: he was.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean that's the thing. There is definitely – I mean
0: there is legal free speech in the country. Like you're not going to go to jail for anything. Right. But
2: there is certainly uh, – there, there is social, socially – I find the most – the, the, and then there's the defensive posture from those people who are making the accusation, which is when they are saying it's your right to say that, then they will just say it's not funny. Right, and I have to say that that is the scariest thing in the world uh to anyone who's trying to tell a joke is to just have someone just tell you you're not funny <laughs> and and, it, and it, you, there's no defense for it there's nothing you can say, you're like, oh, maybe I said it, maybe it wasn't funny. it is the the public shaming thing I think it's an um I think it's a response to powerlessness. I think that there's like it's it's there's such a superiority complex among the the people who write on the internet, which is not the whole population. Right. It's a small a bunch of people who uh, I don't know. I mean, I have to say that if I had you know, failed in many ways, I probably would be one of those people. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can see I no seriously, I'm not saying that they're all failures. You mean they're trolling
0: that, like people who troll and I, shame? I the
2: trolling and shaming thing is actually pathological, but the the sort of like I'm going to it's the it's the like the attitude of the tabloids a lot of times is is one it's a position of virtue. Right it's like, can you believe this person would do this
0: well i mean it's it's the hypocrisy and, that you know that a lot of that uh, that I mean everyone has shit everyone like if someone followed the average person around all week, recorded everything they said, you could pull out a lot of stuff for, and then you could crucify them for that if you took it
2: out of context that's what that's what the show is about, yeah, that is really what I've been writing about all this time that's, that's really kind of interesting, like, yeah, it's sort of the idea of like these are regular people and You know, I can't even say something like uh, "you've never kept the change." Mm -hmm. Really, I will give you one of my moments of shame, uh, which is that I had, and it, it will all make sense to you as like you know, I had a our first child. He was two years old. We we my wife goes to yoga on Sunday morning, and I was alone with him. I took him to the mall. We went to buy a birthday present for one of the billions of birthday parties that we used to go to at that age. Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> I mean, the, kids aren't, the kids aren't even playing with each other. It's really just a you know chance for people to get skin cancer. So we're going to go to the park. So we go to a toy store, and when we leave, I get all the way down to the car in the Century City parking lot, uh, uh, you know, mall, and there is a Curious George doll that he is holding in his hand. Oh, with the tags on it and everything. So I've stolen this. Yes. <laughs> And um, he is sitting in a pile of crap because I haven't changed his diaper because I didn't want to change it in the store. Of course. And so I change the diaper, and then I look at the time, and I just leave. Okay. Now, if he was old enough to know what was going on, I would have gone back there and made a lesson of it, I guess, on some level. But I stole this doll. Wow. Okay. Right. No one's ever done anything like this. When I tell this story to parents, it may be like a, a pack of rollades in the supermarket. You never know what it is. Almost every parent has been in this situation and been like, you know what? I'm not going back up there. Right. So next time I go there, I'll buy some one of their uh, other uh, overpriced discovery store that <laughs> The store's not there anymore. And I, th- I don't know what the statute of limitations is, but I don't have the doll anymore. I think we actually – That's all we needed, boys. So <laughs> <to the laughs> <so they> <laughs> no, way. but I mean it's like a terrible thing. So here I am being completely honest about this aspect of human behavior. And a lot of people are going to be like, that guy's a piece of shit. I can't believe that guy fucking did that. Right. What an what a immoral person. His kids are going to be criminals. He's a criminal. And I'm just sitting there saying like, you know, it's like you go to the dentist – and they say, do you eat candy? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> when? I'm like, I don't know. When I go to the movies, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're already in a lying zone there. Like, candy is, the, is, like, the second biggest business in the United States, like, after, like, meth or and weed or whatever. Right. It's, like, huge, right? And I'm like, uh, when I go to the movies, what do you eat? I'm like, um, red vines. I get red vines. <sighs> You eat the whole box? I'm like, sometimes. You might as well just give yourself a sugar bath. Do you floss afterwards? Do you brush in the movie theater? N- no. I can't. I can't. Well, you know what? You're going to get what you What are know, you, flossing with red
0: vines? You know, you're
2: going to get what you expect. And I'm sitting there saying like, do people come into the dentist office and tell them that they don't eat candy? Oh right, of course. <laughs> Who's eating it? No, never have. No, I've just always <laughs> Who's I'm eating just better candy, than everyone right? else. Yeah, what do you do on uh, I just have one once in a while. I I'm think like
0: the, the public shaming thing is such a problem because it I mean there are some people who
2: are I think people are lying to themselves as my yeah, point. Of course. So they I remember people used to complain about the swearing on the Sopranos. They're like, I can't watch it. There's too much swearing and I was like I don't know. I went to an all-boys school. I think it's about normal. I wasn't isn't, allowed to swear like that. Isn't is that? But really I do the worst believe people. Yeah. I know, and that's the worst thing, you know. And then you, you watch um, just the culturally, you know. They, I remember them showing a clip on these. The, there was a movie award show, and they showed a clip from from uh, 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 Pulp Fiction, where uh, and I'm friends with. I went to high school with Phil Lamar. Uh-huh. Phil Lamar. Oh in the yeah. To the car, and they hit a bump. And the gun goes off, and he blows, blows his brains. brains all over yeah. the back of the thing. So they show this clip, but they bleep out them saying, oh, fuck, oh, shit. Yeah. And I was like, what culture <laughs> <laughs> do we live in where you can't say fuck, but you can show someone's brains all over the back of the window? Oh,
0: yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's, it's so strange. And I think... I, I, I think that's why one of the reasons why to England, why we look so crazy. It's like, wait, you're going to flip out over a nipple, but you can show someone's guts in their I hands? Know, like, know, are you kidding me?
2: So, you know, like we get – we because – there, I think most people. I told Charlie Collier when I saw the 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 uh, pilot. Uh, we, Some we both know, the head of AMC. Yeah. When I saw the pilot for The Walking Dead, I saw it at, at the premiere, and I was like, "This is going to be a very successful experience for you guys." And I go, "Why?" And I go, "Because people are really angry right now. They are filled with murder." And they can't do anything about it. And you have just given them a scenario in which it is okay to to shoot a child even. Or to shoot – because there is in the pilot. Remember, yeah. there's like a yeah. – there's a guy he didn't like that much at work who comes to the fence who's kind of – and he's turned into a zombie. What are you going to do? you got to boss his And I felt like it was like a wish fulfillment of like acceptable violence. You know, my wife is out there. She's a zombie. I don't want to kill her, but – she hasn't been acting right and she's going to kill me and it looks like her, it sounds like her, except for the... Uh, right? right? That part. Right. And she used to do her makeup better than that, although that is really good makeup. <laughs> I don't see the uh, the toilet paper's not on the hair.
0: But I think, I think you know, this, I, the thing that you just said about acceptable, acceptable aggression or acceptable yeah. violence, I think that's where the shaming comes in is that I think it's, I think it's you know, one part uh, I have pent up rage right. that I have to follow these strict... Cultural rules. The rest of the time, ah, here's an outlet for my rage. Right. Here's an outlet for my unrelated rage. Right, and but then, there are
2: people who deny that they have rage. You understand that? Well,
0: but a happy person doesn't just
2: dogpile like a
0: reasonable person goes. Who is who is happy?
2: Well, I guess no one. Do you know what I mean? No, I mean it's like it's great. Uh, it's great. You know, uh, I I I don't. I have experienced moments of happiness. I experience happiness a lot, actually. I just don't know what the natural state of a human being is just like on uh, like just take your limbic system or something like that right like the reason why you can respond you know there'll be someone'll you know, drop a, a, a pen behind you, and you're, you don't think that it's nine eleven. You're just right. like you're supposed to be on guard at all times right. in case somebody's coming to eat you, <laughs> right. right? You know, right. I mean, we are in a, a, a you know a mode of survival. It's why you know you're when you're like laying in bed with your wife or with your children or your lover, or whatever you 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 are like in a in a vulnerable state. Let's say of like feeling those feelings, and then when you get up in the morning and you get dressed and you get in your car, you're in a different state. The idea that we are – and by the way, I think looking on your phone to be entertained or to keep up with what's going on, that is is always – you're always looking for entertainment. Yeah. You're always looking for a diversion of some kind. People are constantly distracting themselves, which is why I think time seems to be
0: moving so fast because you're distracted at all times. Yeah. And so you're not noticing the passage of time. And it's like, well, now it's already the middle of 2015.
2: The mindfulness thing that people are talking about, which I think is amazing. And there's yeah. always like, whenever there's a technological like boom like we've just had with like massive change, there are transcendental meditation um, movements, believe it or not, to slow the mind down and to pay attention to things. It happened in the 20s, happened again in the 50s. It happened in the, in the 70s, yeah. and it's happening right now. probably happened somewhere in between there. But a lot of it is about, like, I am addicted to stimulation. This is more stimulation than I've ever had. What was my mind like when it was at rest? Why can't I control the chatter in my head? What is that about? And then you put the phone in there, and you don't even know what's you and what's it and there's so much pleasure you are pressing it's literally like sitting at a blackjack table you're sitting and pressing a button in your brain and I am like not judging it because I am of one course. of the worst people in the world about this of course and I didn't have a smartphone forever because I knew I couldn't handle it I have a, a, a seriously I didn't have it until like 2011 or 12 everybody else had it I didn't want that 24 hour a day like why haven't you answered my shit because I get nervous about unanswered shit Um, and I am also super impulsive. So I have a bad temper. So like, oh my God, I'm going to write one of these emails and I'm going to send it. And then I'm going to be like, why didn't I just sleep on it? You know? (laughs) But, and also, as you know, people use this to cross boundaries. And I think the anonymity of it, um, part of me, everyone says, don't even think about it because there's so much stuff on there that nobody takes it seriously anyway. Right. Which I don't believe. And then, you know, when you're a creative person. Like you're – you know this. You're in a conversation like, uh, that – you are on the, the – you are giving the gift. I'm saying this about you. You are doing so much entertainment right now. It's almost all comedy. Or it's trying to be comedy. <laughs> yep. I'm going to be uh, – uh, I'm I'm not being generous. It's really funny. It is a diversion. Uh, you're introducing us to funny people. You're telling us shit we don't know about. You're talking about stuff that comes and goes. You're talking about our entertainment. And no matter what, the minute you go on the internet, you're going to be on the defensive, right? <laughs> for, like, why? why what is part, that about? For the most part, but I also—do um, you feel like it's the same as going, getting on stage when you're doing stand-up? No, because well, there's people paid to be there, and they're kind of interested in laughing and right. You know, a little bit. It, I mean, just because
0: it's a little similar because the percentage of people that give me shit online, like it's it's about the same. Like you read I, it all, right? People I, are coming as much out of it now. As possible. Yeah,
2: I know. I read it too, and, I, mean, and I, I'm, I found out. I used to say I used to actually try not to read it, and then I would get together with showrunners and found out that everybody, even though they said they weren't reading it, was reading it. And now at least people are coming out admitting that they read it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, because I think there is still some
0: value in it as long as you can. I mean, if you get out of this mindset that you have to have a hundred percent success rate like you don't oh. you you can you can pass with a b you know what i mean like cuz i think <laughs> i think what you got to do is That's take i think you got to take the most toxic stuff and the stuff that praises you the most and sort of push those off to the sides and look at the middle because that's where people are having the least emotional conversation. But I think most
2: of us cut everything off except for the bottom.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you know, because that taps into the insecurities that we have, and and we're like, they see who you are. They
2: see us. Oh
0: my god, they see what a fraud I am. And so, um, but but you know, the the problem with the with with using it as a distraction to stop the chatter is that it's it, it, it's it's a it's a self uh, sustaining m- mechanism in that. It silences the chatter, but it creates more chatter mm-hmm. to deal with when you put it down. It's sort of like how, you know, when I used to drink, a lot of the drinking I think was to try to quell anxiety, but in the long term, drinking creates more anxiety, right. and so then you have to drink more. So it's the same with this. It's like it silences the chatter in the moment, but the long term effect is that it creates more chatter because right. when you put it down, you're like, "Why did that guy say that? Or what did that person mean? Or, or right. oh, I need to do this," and right. so
2: then you c- c- keep going back and keep right. going back and keep going back, right? It no, I mean, it, I mean, look, criticism predates the, the internet. Of course. And there's uh, lots of great artists who have had, you know, a lot of problems with cr- critics and don't like being criticized. No one likes being criticized. <clears throat> and people sort of like wannabes a lot of times end up in that field or they cut themselves into your creative experience by commenting on it or whatever. they, they You know, you kind of want to say, like, you do it or whatever. And at the same time... I took an attitude from the beginning. I couldn't believe that there was a Mad Men blog. <laughs> I couldn't believe that you know that that people were that people were that into it and that they treated them like real characters. The only time that I really get frustrated with it is when people start talking about what the show owes them. Sure. As a fan, and, like, what is their satisfaction level from watching it? Especially because it's being written while they're watching it. i right. like, you don't know what the satisfaction level is, first of all. And I am, you know, you got to dance with the one that brung you. Like, I, you know, it's, er, part of the peculiar nature of Mad Men is that it's not for everybody. But right. I want it to be for everybody. But I want all the episodes to be different. And so I sort of get in this thing where I'm kind of like, well... You know, I remember reading all these – I had sworn off of it and read and then the suitcase aired and people who knew me, who knew I wasn't reading anything on the internet gave me my first hit for free that I hadn't had in a long time and like sent me these incredible things that people wrote about the episode. So then, of course, I'm like, well, you know, there's that. (laughs) And so the next week, the episode that I thought was the best episode of that season aired called The Summer Man. And I go and read it, and it is just, like, brutal. Yeah. And then, you know, now they do these rankings of the best episodes of the show. Like, you know, I, I, I did no athletics in my life. All rankings make me nervous anyway. All lists, <laughs> everything. Like, you know, I'm a competitive person, but I, I I really don't think about that. And that's, like, ranked as, like, one of the fan favorites, audience, what critics' favorites episodes is the, is the, is the Summer Man. This thing that I just remember saying, like, well, why were they so nice last week? And this one's better. And like, oh, I was heard, and then I wasn't heard. And you're just like, you are doing this for an audience. Who knows what the audience is? It's not just the people writing on the internet. Right. But the... But we're in, you know, having the critical conversation and having the fact that you can at work go on and read a blog about Mad Men, you know, the day after you saw it and Mm -hmm. see what other people thought about it and see here people's insight or their personal experiences with it or even just a recap so you get to watch the episode before your boss runs back over just by reading about it. All that is like amazing. But it's also
0: essential because, you know, some shows people just watch. And other shows build communities, and other shows build us
2: a, build a, a subculture. You know, and- I think that every show has a subculture now. Mo- most of them do. But- I think it's. I think you gotta you gotta. It takes a while for it to happen. Sometimes, right? But I think that every. I mean, the fact that how many that these Netflix shows go on and they're available for twenty four hours, and you see like these massive chat rooms about them, like you, you how. Fast do these people watch it. Fast, right? And then they're writing about it like within if it's a 13, 13 hours of or ten hours of programming from like 10, 15, 10 yeah. hours and fifteen minutes afterwards, there will be a thousand people commenting on
0: well, it. Well, and last night was last night was a particularly insane. Oh, I'm sure a- astrological alignment of Game of Thrones, of Game good, of Thrones, good Mad wife, men, good wife,
2: um, Silicon Valley. Daredevil just came out on... on, uh, Daredevil was the one I was talking about that I couldn't believe how much conversation there already was and people had to watch it when it go on Friday. I've already watched four episodes. Yeah, but people have already watched all of them. them, (laughs) That happens in video games too
0: where a video game will come out and it's a game that can have like 30 or 40 hours of gameplay on a Friday
2: and then by Sunday people are like, I beat it! And you're like, what? How could that be? I play stupid crap like Candy Crush and stuff (laughs) and I look and see where these people are on it and I'm like... I don't know if it's, and it's not just they're spending money on it. They are just that much better at it than you are. How yeah, that well, that's amazing. I, I don't know.
0: No matter what, there's someone who has more time and is better at something, no matter what it is. <laughs> but, I, but I really do think, I really do think that good stuff, bad stuff, stuff is all part of the community and the conversation, and that's why I think it's, it, I think it's very important to take out the most emotional responses because. A lot of times the really emotional responses say more about the person who wrote those than I mean listen I don't I know that not ever I'm not for everyone either and I know that not everyone likes what I do I don't have a problem if someone says like I didn't like this or I didn't like this but if someone goes you're a fucking piece of shit and I hope uh you know I hope a horse fucks your face to death then I'm kind of like well I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that like that's right. not really you just wanted to say a shitty thing right so I can't there's nothing I can do with that. And then if and you go... why did I buy that horse? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with it? Had the biggest dick. Uh, <laughs> to fuck my face to death. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's... It, but But now, like, I don't block people anymore, even if they're negative, because I feel like it's important that I don't build this cocoon... Where I've made myself comfortable that
2: everyone likes what I do. you know. But like, do you, what about people who sort of like accuse you of a crime that you didn't commit that you can't respond to? Like they assert that you are in an almost – there are people who assert stuff that is almost like to me tinfoil hat kind of thinking well, yes. of it. So, no, no, no. I mean it's not as extreme as that where they say things like you're trolling us. You know what you're doing. The reason he did this is blah. And I love people with crazy theories and stuff. I, I you know, I was an English major. I, yeah. I, you know, I have a very good argument for why Blue Velvet and The Graduate are the same movie. <laughs> you know, I have no problems with critical, Kyle critical, critical thoughts. Kyle they wants were, to know. Just think of it. Just think about it a little bit. Seriously. Um. There, and I, I like that kind of stuff. But there are people who are just like, you are. Here's a. Let's put it this way. I, I don't know how – I don't know if people are just using the word symbol or symbolism wrong, but I don't deal in symbolism. Right, I'm not interested in symbolism. Um, I, it's not one of the tools of my writing. I believe in foreshadowing, and I believe in planting and payoff, and I believe in self-reference the way people do in life. Like, you know, there's a lot of ironic conversations in our life, you know? You're going to – someone – if someone – you run into someone who has just bought a horse later today. You're going to laugh about this conversation. And if we were in a show and we, we heard that you make that joke, we would laugh with you. I'm not going to laugh if I get fucked to death in the face <laughs> by that no. horse. It would be difficult to laugh. I'll have a horse stick in <laughs> my mouth. Um, but you know what I mean? And so there's this sort of suggestion that you have some kind of diabolical plan to fuck with them. Like you're the one with the superiority complex when you are just in the entertainment. Well, <laughs> you're just trying to tell a story. So let me ask you this because this is this is a little bit different
0: than – because a lot of times people – I feel like we're in the middle of this thing that I'm calling the apocryphips, which is basically people with no information – tell you or tell other people what's going on when they have no information that like, is very true all the time people go you did this because of this and i'm like that's not there, here's four other reasons why this I happened know. but i'm curious as as someone who's creating a work of fiction which is a little more open to interpretation
2: uh, I, I love interpretation that's what i that's why i mentioned the graduate blue velvet thing i so, don't have a problem and with by that.
0: the way before the end of the podcast i'm going to get you to, to to give me the nuts and bolts of that okay. idea but before we get there <laughs> Where do you think the truth lies? You as the creator of Mad Men or, or a writer on Sopranos, or you, are, you create what you believe is a truth about these characters. If most of the other people who watch that get a different truth, what is true? Is you can't
2: it, do anything about that. It,
0: so it doesn't matter that to could you. Be,
2: it's a, a, it's fascinating. B, sometimes it means you've succeeded beyond your, your, your intentions. Yeah. Sometimes it's something where you're like, oh, Maybe that was on my mind, and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. You know there are all kinds of things where someone you know I try not to repeat things unless it's on purpose um and having a reference is a different than having a symbol, but you know um i like you're saying sometimes it's out of nowhere. well, obviously the <laughs> d' sp- spilled red wine, thanks for the obvious symbolism. <laughs> it's obviously blood on the floor, and we're supposed to be freaked out, and I was like, no. In my mind, Don had this whole thing with Megan about that white carpeting, and we know she decorated the apartment. And now he just brought in this girl, uh, this 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 stewardess, to have sex with her. You know, his third choice for the night, and she ruined the carpet. Yeah, that's what that was for me. And he doesn't care. That's what that is. Is it symbolic in some way? I mean, spilling wine is symbolic, I guess. For you know. There's, you know, certainly if you're a reggae fan. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes spilled wine is just spilled wine. Sometimes it's usually, you know. And thank you for the UB40 reference. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's red, red wine. Yeah. Oh, that's but red, who's, red. who does spill the wine? Oh, that's war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you yeah. Go. Okay, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is fun time travel. So, um, no, but uh, I, don't, I don't have any control over what they take away from it. And like you're saying, a lot of times it's what's there for them. When Betty Draper's father was suffering from dementia and grabbed her boob, I – because he thought it was his wife, that was a story that I had heard about many times in my family about someone who had uh, actually turned out Alzheimer's. Yeah,
0: my dad's dad's father who died from – who suffered from that in his later years – My cousin would go in and he would get, like, he would kind of like hit on her
2: and try to, because he didn't know where. Exactly. They were riding on the bus or something like that. I'd heard the story. So the amount of people, and this is before like full fledged, like, you know, 50 recaps the next day, the amount of people that came up to me and said, Betty was molested by her father, wasn't she? And I was like, no, but. (laughs) what are you bringing to this? (laughs) Right. Do you know what I mean? I I don't, I don't, that was inappropriate behavior. And the reason why Don didn't punch him, why didn't Don punch him in the face? Why didn't Don ask her why, when she was molested, does Don know she was molested? Is he going to molest Sally when he lives with them? I was like, he is, I don't know how to explain this to you, but obviously this is not part of your experience that this is a medical thing that goes along with, unfortunately losing your mind. Yeah. Um, uh, so certain social graces are become warped, whatever. So you're – yeah, they got it wrong. Well, But, but, it's, they, it's, but it's, did they get it wrong? I don't know. I mean it makes me worried when I like go and do this whole, you know, what I think is a very touching and, and, and reminiscent of my childhood, this relationship that Sally has with her grandfather where he was – my grandfather was like this for me where he was just like – he totally made me feel like all the craziness in my family was was normal and that I was special and he spent a lot of time with me and then he died. And that was the story I was interested in telling. So when people were like, so the molester finally got it and she's still crying because she's protecting him. I'm just like, this is like built on something that I I really didn't mean that. <laughs> a little bit of a Rorschach test I, yeah, with, with, well, with that's art. What I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I can't control that but – you're really wrong. Yeah. You're really really wrong. And this is not part of your experience. What is part of your experience? I'm not going to argue with you about that. I can't. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's the blessing and the curse of good
0: writing and having really complex characters is that people sort of become conditioned to go, "Oh, there must be, you know, like I me mean, because especially when you go back into the past and you see Don Draper like watching like looking through the hole and watching right. watching you know, prostitutes. Thing.
2: Yeah. Here's another thing that's just socialized. That when you go to the flashback to that whorehouse where he grew up and that woman seduces him, that's rape. Yeah. If it was a guy the same age as that prostitute and a girl the same age as Dick Whitman, you would know that that was rape. Yeah. And the kid keeps saying no. And he says he doesn't want it and he doesn't like it. And there was so much conversation about his first time and him losing his virginity and Don, you know, but it, was abuse. Got, it was, it's absolutely abuse. I mean, why do you think the guy's behaving that way? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's not, you know, uh, don't, don't think that everybody wants to be in that situation. We all like, uh, uh, certainly, boys have sexual feelings towards inappropriately towards women who are much older than them, it doesn't mean that they want to act on it. Right. And it doesn't matter because the whole issue is consent. And it's not just a legal definition, but when you're under a certain age, consent is consent. Right. When you don't want to do something, children have to do so much shit that they don't want to do anyway. And when you put sex into that, you are, you are basically, you can fuck them up for the rest of their life. Right.
0: And, well, and the other thing is that this whole idea of what's okay to talk about in that time period and the idea of the sort of keeping up appearances uh, 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 where it's a a period of time where people... Don't where therapy isn't like I know it's like only crazy people go to therapy or you, rich you, people. You deal with your own problems like yeah. you're, you don't really have any problems. Right. You just suck it up and go
2: to work and yeah. shut up. And Especially men. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, what you do know. you think of
2: bartenders for? <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, like my, my my dad's father, the one who 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 had dementia. You know, mm. he was a, he was a very cold guy to the family, but in his mind, he was like, I put food on the table. I'm, the, you know, like, they they have a roof. Yeah.
2: What's the fucking problem? Exactly. You know, like, exactly. there was no, there was no, yeah. let's talk about our feelings. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: there was no, no. I know.
2: I, when I was selling the show, that was one of their issues. They're like, D- he need Don needs a Melfi. You know, and Dr. Oh, right. Melfi. That like, was a product talk Melfi. That, that was a product of that time period, though. That was what the great conceit of The Sopranos was, is that this guy is going to a psychiatrist that's insane, right? Yeah. I mean, it, not to use the word wrong, but that's like incredible that, right. that, that a mob boss would go and that he has psychological problems and he's going to go on Prozac or something. I said to them, I was like, this is the whole point. It's exactly that: is He doesn't have anybody to talk to. And you will see him be much more open with strangers because of that. You will see him find a place to work this stuff out, and then you will see him living with a lot of this on his own and just bearing it. And just that's what the silence is about. That's why you never know what they're thinking. I mean, the, the power, if anything else, it's, it was dramatically a lesson for me because you wouldn't think it would work, and, and it depends on, on someone having someone as amazing as John Hamm to perform it. Yep. But the power in not talking that Don Draper has in keeping his own counsel and just letting it work out and letting people like you and me who who abhor silence and are anxious just like tip every aspect of our hand. Yeah. Well, uh, and that those guys were they a lot of them that's that's that you grow up in that family as a child. I mean I've never seen my father cry. Let's be more specific. Have you? My dad. Oh, my dad was a crier. Yeah. Oh, he was. My, da- oh, my dad would cry. Oh. My dad would cry
0: at like an insurance commercial. You know, like oh. you'd see some said, you know, what are you gonna do if it, it, w- when oh, your loved ones? That's who and I am. Like, <laughs> like my dad would just be <laughs> sobbing openly. He was. He was a crier. That's what my
2: kids have to deal with. But
0: that's, a, but that's, why, <laughs> but that's why that scene was so great when his California. When Dick Whitman's. I mean, when uh, Don Draper's actual like the first Don Draper wife. Yeah. Like when that happens and then he melts down on yeah. the phone and you're yeah. like, whoa, I he doesn't – because really good shows, one of the stars of the shows, the invisible star of the show is the environment. Right. You know, like yes. with Breaking Bad, it's this family. Right. You know, like this this teacher, this family. With Walking Dead, it's the apocalypse. With Mad Men, it's this – this place where everyone's constrained because they can't have conversations about right. shit they're going through. Right. And so it forces them true. to behave in ways like
2: the environment is a star of the show. That's why I'm wondering about these limited series about coming back, you know, and because I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next and I'm working on a bunch of things, but I always wonder, like, isn't it coming back to that environment? Like, almost as important as like let's take the two top things yeah you want good writing you want good acting you want all this stuff but it's the actors who play the characters and the environment that they're in and the idea that you would like lose that after 10 episodes and go back to the same place i don't i don't know i'm curious how that's gonna work yeah i I mean it's you mean like with true detective or with yeah or like i'm you know like i loved fargo and I kind of, you know, I hate to sound like that guy. They have probably all heard it. I'm sure they can pull it off again. But I wish that I could spend more time with those people. <laughs> well, because it's very- and it's going to be a prequel like 20 years with all different actors and, you know, in the, in the sort of in the same environment, but a new case and everything. And I'm kind of like, am I being that audience member that I hate? But I, I love, you know, everybody's had the experience of being sick and watching five episodes of a sitcom that you've never seen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it doesn't take that long. You may burn out on it quickly, but it doesn't take that long. You will basically get attached to any show that you watch five or six episodes to, of, don't you think? I absolutely think
0: so. Yeah. yeah, because that's also a lot of times it's a magic number. I mean, there there are some shows where just the first episode you're like, okay, I'm in. Like right. Mad-, Mad Men was one of those shows oh, where, like, cool. within a minute you're like, oh my god, I love it. <laughs> Pregnant people smoking and drinking, you know the. But there are other shows where you're like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to hang in there yeah. and see how it goes and if you make it to 4 or 5 episodes, then you're in." Even if you recognize the show isn't great,
2: right. you're like, "I'm already emotionally invested. I'm just going to see where it goes." You know, I, I've had those shows. Uh, yeah, I, when I'm working, I don't have that time to do that. And I I know like a show like Seinfeld, I didn't watch it to like season 3. Yep. And then I watched everything. You know, I have to be talked into it. And now that there's so much new stuff, i 've gotten to the point where it 's like reading scripts to me where i 'm like, You know what you get two if you get two <laughs> life is and and uh, if if i don 't like the first two, then I need somebody to come up and like you know evangelically make me watch the next ones and actually, you know what sopranos i 've said this before in public, but i didn 't like the pilot that much, not because it wasn 't good, but I just was like I have a thing uh about people laughing when they're torturing other people yeah i'm not that sensitive obviously right i've written some violence in my life but there was something about when they were getting rid of the body and how it was kind of cool and stuff like that i was like i don't know if i want to i don't know if i want to deal with this right now you didn't buy it no, I just like – it's like there's a lot of these scenes often in Quentin's movies also where it's, it's like someone's in in, in a in dire straits and the other person is using it as an opportunity of tension to basically – they're going to torture them by talking to them and then they're going to kill them. right And there was – and it's a sort of like lighthearted – it was a big thing in the 80s actually um, when I was coming up like – or 90s right when I was out of film school where it was just like brutal people who thought it was like, like lots of laughs while you're shooting somebody in the head. Like Shane – like Shane – Black type kind of stuff. Ex- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But more realistic. It got more and more realistic. The only time I've ever seen it really done, well, The Sopranos did it amazingly. But you know, whatever. And it was new, which is hard. So anyway, so I didn't watch the second episode. I had a job, and then my wife uh, had was watching it. My wife was hooked right away, and then the college episode came on. And she's like, "You have to watch this show." and that's what got you And in. that and I watched the episode and I talked through the entire thing to her. I was like, "Do you know what's going on here? Do you know how amazing this is? Do you know that I, I the main the main character is going to kill somebody with his bare hands? Oh my god, the guy has kids. They're breaking every rule that's ever been established in network TV. I cannot believe that this guy's doing this." And she's like, "What did I tell?" You? And then you get to the end of that episode when Tony's waiting outside for his daughter to to go to the to her college interview. Do you remember this episode at all? Kind of I, so I, much. I, I, it's been years. The first thing, it is the best episode of the show because it's the first one that even came close to that, you know. I mean, they're all good. The Sopranos is, you know, I tell people when they're like I haven't seen The Sopranos, I'm like there's a Beatles album that you've never heard. Right. <laughs> Just go and watch the first season of The Sopranos. You are it's going to blow your mind how much it's related to your life, how exquisitely made it is, how great the cast is, how gr- how funny it is. But anyway, that I owned episode, it on VHS. By the way, I had the, I had the I, first season I, oh, on VHS. That's oh. when, that's when I watched the Supremas. and um and so that uh basically Meadows they're driving in the car on the way to her college tour and uh, she says I she basically says I know what you do oh yes I and, and, and I just yeah. remember yeah. like oh my you know I, I try I've tried to do things like that in Mad Men when I could. And, you know, I remember coming back at, at, in season five um, when Don, you know, had proposed to Megan at the end of season four, which was – I think we were off the air for all this time. We come back and she does the Zooby Zooby zoo dance for him and she comes into his uh, – into the bedroom afterwards and she says, oh, nobody loves Dick Whitman. and Because you think that's going to be the tension, is he right. – it's going to be exactly what it was. And I remember someone said to me, to my face afterwards, exactly what I felt when I watched the Sopranos episode – she knows who he is what what's left to tell what's the story going to be how are you going to have a story and i was like that commitment to like i have another story for you right that that's the kind of thing that the sopranos would do all the time like over and over and over again and i know i don't want to sound weird about it cuz i know i was part of the show and i wrote on the sopranos and everything and you mentioned it whatever but it's hard to explain my relationship with it because I wrote on a sitcom for the first four years that it was uh, uh, on the air. I mean I've been in sitcom all that time and um, I still like mentally don't – sometimes, especially those seasons that I didn't work on, don't see myself as part of the show at all. So I feel perfectly capable in saying it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know and I mean? My joke was always like people are like, what's the difference between uh, you know writing in a sitcom and writing on The Sopranos? I'm like, it's the exact same job. I sit in a room with a bunch of writers all day talking about The Sopranos. Yeah. And then- <laughs> we were just obsessed with it. <laughs> we were. That was like, you know, all we talked about, everything was... I worked on... The last show I worked on, before I got my job on The Sopranos, I was working on Andy Richter Controls the Universe. Oh, yeah, of course. And we had uh, to cast Andy's maid. My, my episode was this thing where Andy had a maid who was like just ripping him off because he's such a good guy. <laughs> And they're like she should be really hot, and we cast Lola Glaudini, who played um, uh, the agent, one of the agents that compromised Adriana. Do you remember Adriana yeah. was like found out by the feds, and they were like she had that th- friend. And actually, Lola Glaudini's husband was played by Will Arnett. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> which is like yeah, he's he he was he was great, and he was a uh, FBI agent. So. We got Lola Glaudini to come in and do this. And she was such a huge celebrity to all the writers. And Andy Richter were like, what's it like on The Sopranos? Like, are, <laughs> and all the questions that people ask about Mad Men sometimes, like, are they drinking real liquor? Like, what's Jim Gandolfini like? Like, how long do you have to shoot it? Do they put your nail – are those your nails? You know, just like there's a bunch of guys sitting around asking this woman, this, this gorgeous woman, these questions. So it has a status to me of just always – always being about in some way first of all it's a goal to shoot towards to have that relationship with the culture to have that relationship with an audience to constantly be original to and to write about the substance of real life you know so that your expectations about entertainment are actually 90 percent of what's making it tense yeah right and we try to do that on mad men too where you that's that's where i talk about like fans talking about what you owe them i'm like if if I owed you, if you know what I'm doing, then don't watch the show because you already know what I'm doing. Unless you enjoy seeing something you've already seen, which I do understand. I actually, I kind of get that too. Sometimes, as a fan of like Agatha Christie and like you know whatever comic book movies or anything like that, you like you, you kind of James Bond. Like if you don't Sherlock Holmes, like if you don't get. <laughs> If you don't get that moment in the Agatha Christie where they pull everybody into the study and like and then he and he puts on a clinic of how everybody if you don't get that, you're kind of like, Well that was fucked up. That was the shittiest Agatha Christie I've ever seen. Right. I remember isn't there the one where they all did it, like the Orient Express? Where it turns out every suspect was involved. Was like, involved in like, some Spoiler way. alert. 12 I, I people. Think that's mur- a
0: funny sentence. <laughs> this fucking Agatha. This, this is the shittiest Agatha Christie story I've ever. <laughs> right. What a bitch. I cannot believe that you fucked the
2: franchise <laughs> like this. You have a brand, Agatha. Yeah. Do you just jump the Why don't
0: you draw yourself Jumping oh, yeah. a shark
2: <laughs> <laughs> Right about that Yeah um, in, a, in a In a A, a wicker wheelchair
0: <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's a, a,
2: the, the, With You know have, Is it Se-
0: it's seven seasons, right? *Man*, seven yeah, seasons. It's seven seasons, uh, but sort of drawn but out, to- told out, uh,
2: told out over fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it nine years or eight years stretched out? Well, the actors will tell you that it's nine years because we shot the pilot a full year before we went into production. Okay. So, but and there's like you know, uh, so there's a year between it, but we were actually on the air for eight years. Wow. That's really because there's 16 months off in the middle of the whole thing. Yeah, like 14 months or something like that. 12, I don't know. 12. So the idea, like of, a full year, there was a full year between seasons at one point. How
0: much do you think the public is addicted to crazy reveals and
2: things that can't be spoiled? Like because because when people go, uh, I have a very different concept of that. There's okay. so little, you know. I mean, because like the show just premiered in Great Britain. And they don't have any dealings with me, and the show already aired here. They've all seen it. There's no screener necessary or anything like that. And they just write the entire plot of the episode in the review. And I was like, I don't want that. I, you know, I really don't. There's so, it's happening on such a small scale. That I feel like to like, yeah, you can sum it up in like three sentences. And by the way, it's wrong half the time too. You're just like, whoa, that's not what happened. <laughs> like, it's not sub- It's subject to interpretation. What happens sometimes in any show in The Walking Dead? It is. It's like he did it because he was because he had been embarrassed. Like you don't know that he was embarrassed. I did not see that he did it because he did it right. right? Um, so I feel like we The Sopranos was where I learned about this. And like Tony got shot in the premiere of one of, of the last second to last season. That's another thing where they have like season six of The Sopranos or I think is split into two halves. Mm-hmm. It's really 6A and B or whatever, but it's really two seasons. It's like tw- eight, 12 episodes and eight. Okay. And um, I remember like don't tell anybody because it's going to be amazing to see Tony get shot because it comes out of nowhere. And you have this experience, and you can watch it a second time once you know what it is, you know? I watched the show – I was just talking beforehand about – Watching it with my fourteen-year-old watching The Sopranos, he's finally watching The Sopranos. Not like finally, I finally let him watch The Sopranos. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> you have to suck it up.
2: <laughs> It'll be Come fine. on, i crying. Yeah. So the the spoiler alert: the end of season two, when when Janice and you know you know Richie April's is going to get killed. They've decided they got to get rid of him. They decided he's in the way. Tony sees him as a threat, et cetera. And then Janice is cooking his dinner, and he punches her in the face. And you're just like, what? He punches her in the mouth and then he's like – then he taunts her and she shoots him in the chest and then calls Tony. And um, it's an amazing episode, first of all. It is just like watching it with my kids again and knowing what's going to happen and seeing them react to it. And I was like – I called David Chase and I was like, that shit holds up. Let me tell you <laughs> something because they, they actually went, oh my god, out loud. Um, uh, and – you just want to preserve the uh, surprise is like you got three tools in your toolbox when you're in an entertainment and you know you got mystery you got suspense and you have surprise and that that's it uh i i count laughter as surprise you know you t- you go to a movie and see the trailer and you see all the best jokes in the movie you go and see it and are you like oh yeah there's that joke i enjoyed <laughs> you know it's not as funny the second time right. correct So, um, I wanted to preserve that as a mode of entertainment and then it's not that everybody has to do it, but then you sort of get into this thing. Well, like no one's going to watch it if they don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, just let me deliver once, let them watch the pilot and January Jones, this like incredibly sexy movie star like presence, right? Is going to appear at the end of this as his wife, but I'm not going to let her promote the show because I don't want anyone to know he's married. Mm -hmm. I want them to watch that first episode and just be like, "What?" (laughs) Right? Um, And it was part of how I sold the pilot. It it was, you know, it was a, it was a, a new story for the hero. As much as Tony strangling that guy, it was breaking a lot of rules of entertainment to have that man that we were following and loving and wasn't a racist and. You know, he's a bit of a sexist, whatever, but see that his, what we, our virtuous hero who turns down his secretary has actually been cheating on his wife the whole time. So that was worth delivering on. You know, I delivered on that uh, for enough for people to come back the next week. And so I kind of feel like, you know, I don't want people to know. And then, you know, as the internet came up, knowing what, how much time had passed became an issue. Um, Because, it would be uh in the review an article of everything that was going to happen that year. And the first season of the show there you know Wikipedia existed but like I had people coming up to me asking me like well who wins that Nixon Kennedy election. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like and I was kind of like stunned. I was like uh well really History? and they're like and they're like well i know nixon was the president and i know kennedy was the president i don't know who won that election uh, uh, and i was like okay that makes sense you've now revealed how dumb and uninformed you are <laughs> and i want to know where you went to school and i want to tell your parents that you don't know that that was before kennedy needed the wig. <laughs> come on guys <laughs> oh, a call back. that's an hour
0: away nicely done nicely done. bringing it all yeah. but how important do you think it is <laughs> for all of our
2: now I know that you can edit this I have to tell you my joke while we're in the moment okay. the joke I would always say are you aware of the fact that both Be- the bewitched pilot and JFK were shot in November of 1963
0: <laughs> 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 Why would you have to edit that out? That's a great joke. That's a great
2: joke. Oh, it's tasteless.
0: Uh, well, no, because JFK was replaced by Dick Sargent. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's
0: right. The original president got shot, and so they just put Dick Sargent in his JFK like, no one would notice. <sighs> I almost feel like today they would have tried to explain it with magic. Like, oh, he regenerated or something happened and Samantha I was a-
2: I remember that one to recast somebody at some point. I will not get any deeper into it than that. And just saying, like, I grew up – my mother watched soap operas in the afternoon. They would just, like, have a new person come in or have the same person come back in another wig. Right. Like, the audience doesn't care. They're just <laughs> like – you know, If it depends on what it is. You know, you can recast them if you have to and, uh, you know – so I obviously do believe that or I wouldn't have had so much <laughs> recasting in my life.
0: Why do you think it's so important I mean, now?
2: don't you think this about the spoiler thing or you think I'm crazy?
0: No, I, it's just that I think people um, – I, I think people get mad at spoilers – The way they used to get mad at, like, apartheid. You know what I mean? Like, where where people are like, don't fucking, you better not. Like, people get so aggressive about it because I feel like there are so few surprises in our culture. And people just get so, like, don't you take that away from me. I need this so bad. But it not bother
2: me. But that's happened during the life of my show because I've been on the defensive about it the entire time. Where I've literally had critics come up to me and say, nobody cares. Nobody cares about your show. Nobody gives a fuck about what's going to happen on there. Just tell people, or we have nothing to promote. Why would I review your show when I can't say this, 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 and this? I was like, I don't know. I mean, you don't have to say you like it. <laughs> well, it doesn't change the it, – it, But it, I feel like for us, it was commercially like a niche. To say, like, okay, I guarantee you that even though the show is about regular people and you sort of, like, you know, they're walking around on the Titanic talking about how safe it is, you know, you do know what happens. Sure. You do know what happens because you live in 2015. You know exactly what happens. Yeah. Let's take that out of it for a second. I might do a story about, you know, somebody eating somebody's apple out of the refrigerator at work. If I tell you that that, you know, that ends with somebody getting fired – why watch it? Right. You know, uh, I'm, I, I've am i taken like the delight out of it to me. The delight is how we tell the story. It is,
0: but it's not, but it's, but there's a journey, you know, like, so, you know, with Game of Thrones last year, it, the, there was a major character death that was spoiled because people assume I watch everything the second it happens. Oh, and, right. And it, but it didn't. You know, I was like, "Ah, oh, man, oh, well. But that's not the only reason I watch no, *The or, or watch Mad Men is to be so surprised. You myself. know what's
2: weird is that I've seen a bunch of movies recently that are based on true stories where I don't know the story. <clears throat> and this has happened to me a couple times. And my wife knows the story and my kids know the story. But I don't even know it's made up, uh, you know, like wild. Like yeah. I, did, I didn't know. I just assumed that that woman was going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I have to tell you something That's a very different movie If you don't know that she survives it To write the book Oh wow Yeah it was very tense for me And I thought it was going to be like Into the Wild quite honestly Because yeah. of the title Or like what was the one Where I was just like You've got to be kidding me Oh the, the, the Marley um, and Me <laughs> you know what nobody knew that's what that movie was about <laughs> you got to admit that was a movie too where i was like oh it's so ah, dumb it's like like a guy and his dog and all of a sudden i was like what the fuck i don't want to watch this.
0: Yeah, my, I, I, I don't think my dad that that, that, that movie I, i'm i'm not sure my dad was able to get. i don't think anyone movie. can handle that movie yeah. but
2: no you got to admit nobody knew i guess if you read the book maybe yeah. um uh no it was the perfect storm Okay. Oh, I had no idea that that ended badly. <laughs> and I was like sort of watching it and I was like, and it's George Clooney. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, there's, and all of a sudden I was just like devastated. I was like, this is, oh my God, this is horrible. You know, I had the similar, this is, this may be where my spoiler thing comes from. I had this similar experience when I was in high school. I, my car broke down. Uh, the family car that was, like, passed down from kid to kid to kid uh, was a Volvo – Volvo. Um, it wasn't a diesel, but it was like a – it was a Volvo that, w- that, like, could not go uphill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was a wagon. And uh, at some point I found out in the 90s these were chick magnets, not when I was in high school. <laughs> this was a, a, the kind of car that when you leaned against it, the paint came – the oxidized paint came off on your clothes so it broke down we were, I'm in Orange County I'm by myself I get the car towed which is a huge pain in the ass before a cell phone people don't even realize this I flag someone down who calls a AAA, and I went to uh, what do you do in Orange County it, no one knows but there's more movie theaters per like square foot in Orange County than like any mall in America and so I went to the movies and I walk in and see a movie that I know nothing about and I am laughing I am laughing it's Poltergeist <laughs> And I got to tell you something. Doesn't Craig, really Craig Nelson was really funny. Joe Beth Williams. It's funny. It's funny. The kids, you know, they're smoking dope at the beginning of it. The parents, and they're like in their housing community. And You think it's just a sort of comment on like on Orange County, which is where I am. And all of a sudden, that hand reached out of it, and I'm alone in the theater. That hand reaches out of the TV, and I have never been more scared of anything in my entire life. I, I, I like was like, what the fuck? And it just got <laughs> <didn't> scarier <laughs> and scarier and scarier. The movie doesn't hold up? No, I, the, oh. the effects don't hold. Like, the movie... The effects. Of the movie. The don't effects hold up. thing. We were just talking about this. Like, I showed my kids this uh, the James Bond movie where where the tarantula walks on his chest, and and I, I remember like not wanting to sleep with, with the sheets around my neck. Yeah. And I, you watch it now, and you can see the piece of plexiglass to the point that like there's fingerprints on it. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: the expectation thing. But can your work... childhood. I mean, I was oh. like, in, I was 15. The expectation thing can work for and against you because I think it can work for you. If it goes in a direction that is intriguing to you. But let's say you went to see Poltergeist and you're not a fan of horror movies. And then all of a sudden you're like,
2: what the fuck? You know, like you need... I'm super open. I am super open. I got to say that right now. I I realize now that this is a strength. But I do not have prejudice against almost any kind of entertainment, book, whatever else it is, speech, anything. I... I don't like hate directed at me, but I, I can, I'll, I'll try anything. I will try anything. Well, I mean, I, I don't even know like what's the worst example of what I would watch, but before there was YouTube, you know, um, in comedy writers rooms, all that would be was people bringing in VHS tapes of like obscure things that were incredibly right. embarrassing most right. of the time, whether it was like Linda McCartney being isolated, you of know, course. Or, like there's tons of this stuff now. Um, there's a comedy writer named Tommy Blacha. Who I know like, Tommy. Yeah, okay, so Tommy is like one of the funniest people in the world and the king of this shit. Yeah. And to the point where it's like he's, you know, I just remember him one time talking about Mario Lanza. And I'm like, well, what about Mario Lanza? And he just looked at me. He's like, you don't know about Mario Lanza? <laughs> Not like I can't believe you don't know it, but you're just about – I'm jealous that you don't know about it because you're just about to hear the most amazing thing that you ever heard. And then he plays it. <laughs> he just told me the story of Mario Lanza. They didn't have a tape of it or anything like that. But Mario Lanza – had a weight problem and was really kind of a despicable person on many levels but had like the most incredible voice. Like Caruso was like, how could this voice, this angelic voice come out of this piece of crap, right? right. And one of the things was is he was constantly fighting his weight and his manager would put him – I think people still do this actually. It sounds good. I don't, I'm not suggesting this is not for the people at home. Do not, not try not this. for general consumption. Yes. They would put you in a twilight sleep which is they would drug him for like 30 days oh. in a hospital bed and he would wake up and he would have lost like 30 pounds. Oh my God. I- so guess what? One time he died. <laughs> 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 so Tommy had some That's like cartoon awesome. character based on Mario Lanza. <laughs> But um, you know, just like, or, or like, look well, <laughs> or like, it's hate. funny that
0: we can laugh. It's funny that we can laugh hysterically, <laughs> and, like, and then he died. I mean, it sounds like the r- stupidest thing in the world to yeah. do. And hey, surprise! <laughs> oh, okay, so we shouldn't do. Okay, yeah. we shouldn't do this. Yes. It's going to be interesting to see if you if your next project is As his manager said he became unavailable <laughs> <laughs> for a while. But it's going to be interesting to see if you jump into one of these sh- things where it's just
2: like I'll just do a mini series just to bang it out, you know. I uh, I'm going to I'm going to try not to be too precious about it. There's so much pressure. I mean, I don't expect to have this this experience again. First of all, I never can because it's the first thing that ever happened to me. So, I don't you'll never have it anyway. But I think that you can get into a mindset. We're talking all about what people think and where it comes from. And I'm not going to write about this. It was one of the things that I said, like, the second season of the show, I'm like, we are not writing about the show. I don't want to see it in the show. I don't want any reference to, like, like the success or what or anything that anybody's saying about the show. We can write about how we feel about the show, but don't write about the show. So I'm not going to necessarily turn this experience uh, I, I don't see myself writing a sitcom about a guy who has a uh, you know a basic cable TV show. Right. But I am like you know looking forward to if I cannot get that precious about it to doing a, a number of things. I'm working on a bunch of things at once right now and I just sort of got the the yen to go back to work. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm talking so much about the show ending and you know what Brian Cranston said something about this when 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 Breaking Bad was ending. I was like, "What is it like? You know, you know, you've lived through death. What's it like?" And he's like, "You know, it it was over a long time. It's kind of a weird thing to like. You're dredging up these feelings." He goes, "You're not faking it, but it it's been over for a while. So like, part of me is like, I don't want to feel that again, and part of me is like, you got to be there for everybody else when they're feeling it if they're attached to it." Sure. And when you're the showrunner, it's like more times than anybody, but everybody's going to experience on May 17th, the the last show. Everybody who likes the show or had anything to do with the show is going to experience it going away, the last original episode, whatever. So for me, like getting to the place where I want – I mean I deal with my anxiety by writing. It's one of the luckiest things that ever happened. By writing and getting rejected for my writing, that's really how I've dealt with my anxiety in my life. <laughs> <laughs> on some level, whether on a
0: network level, yeah, or right. no, a chat thread exactly. level. Exactly. Like it's
2: somewhere. sort of like it's sort of like an expectation. Um, oh, you have, seek it out? No, 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 no. no you I don't, don't know. Seek no, it out. no, no. Okay. I have. I have. Uh, I have strong. Uh, it's a, It's. I have. I take a stand. Yeah. And I think I have. Uh, I don't see it as a style or anything like that. But it's not. I'd like to think it's for everybody but I've been told it's not and that's a lot of times why it's been you know why it took 7 years to get it on the air. Um so but my interest in like what I think I what I find entertaining or what I want to see or that has been an interesting thing to like just think about the form differently. Just think about the mini series and like think about like multi camera sitcom like w- like what happened to that? I can't even explain to people like you know growing up there was happy days which was a multi-level multi-camera sitcom all in the family Mm -hmm. this is in my youth like real youth like i didn't even understand what the fuck was going on in all the family uh, (laughs) i had to like catch up with it later on and um and mash so this is comedy for and then mary tyler moore right multi-camera mash not multi-camera single camera you know, all in the family, I think, on video with a live audience. Mary Tyler Moore on film. You know, these – New this, Heart film. New Heart film, right? So you're watching these things and you're, your experience of it is like, well, what happened to that? I can't even tell you how related to life and how meaningful those shows were. It, it's got to be a cycle, right?
0: Maybe, but I, I think it's also – I mean, it's going – They're back. still
2: watching Lucy.
0: They are, but it is. I think it does go back to the element of surprise. And, you know, surprise is a, surprise is a dangerous tool in mm. the tool bag because it is very satisfying, but it's also a limited resource. You can't... That's exactly the, it. The, the that more is very wise. You, the more you surprise
2: people... The it takes cl- more to surprise It them. takes
0: more to surprise That's them. why
2: I have not become addicted to it. That's why it, living in a spoiler phobic universe yeah my surprises can be on the level of like oh my god where are my car keys yeah (laughs) well and and that's why your wife has them oh my god that's why i've never ever had the show had to to, to function in that
0: way yeah because when outrageousness when it does and it's like by the time season seven happens it's like
2: people yeah exactly but like someone came in with a shotgun and they people are mad at you if they don't do it yeah you know, I kept talking to, especially in the art department. Like you, you know, we have a unique situation that um, Dan Bishop did the first episode after the pilot and was there. He's a production designer the entire time. Janie Bryant the same way. Uh, Chris Manley started season two. That's the, the same thing. He became a director on the show, also cinematographer. Um, to keep those people in the same job, you don't just have to be nice and pay them well. They don't want to get bored. Right. And at a certain point, I'm like, we're coming into a kind of extreme period in American style. We can't get mannerist. Mm -hmm. We can't like overdo it. We can't like start, you know, reveling in how like weird it is. Regular people, I can show you pictures of people in like 1980 in suburban America, and there are still flat tops and plaid shirts and khaki pants. Right. It just like took a long time for that to go away everywhere. And so you can't just, like, run into this because you're bored with what you're doing. Right. So if, if, you're, if your goal is to imitate real life, which it doesn't have to be. So I'm always impressed. What it usually means on a long-running show is new characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have babies. That was a traditionally a thing. Yep. Like, there's a new kid, and he'll be born one year, and then he'll be, like, talking. like He'll be, be like, like, seven years, the next was season. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them uh, are like that. Or if you can find a kid who looks really young – um, I think Game of Thrones has been really interesting because you watch that first season of that show and you're like they – again, it was one of those things where I, where it was like for me very exciting to see them commit to a story that basically like you better have more story. Right. You got rid of both of those guys in the same scene. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know, you're. I'm just like impressed with that. But the impressed fundamental
0: mechanism that. of that show is you – they, <clears throat> you know what the goal is mm-hmm. through the entire series. Everyone wants to take over the realm, and mm-hmm. so you're watching this chess game. And so you know you always know you right. don't know exa- you don't know specifically what everyone wants. You don't know how they're going to go about it, right. but you know it's all about how do I get that fucking Iron Throne? Like right. that's what everyone's trying to get. So it's just watching everyone sort of go about. See on
2: that. Mad Men, everyone wants the iron throne, but it what I'm always interested in is why. What is the iron throne in Mad Men? I think it's, you know, the life that was promised in the ads. Life on TV. Like I want The idyllic. My, the idyllic, whatever that expectation is that we have. All Mad Men is about, to me, is about a bunch of people like us who are living in an environment where our expectations are based on fiction mm-hmm. and on a cultural fiction that we've all agreed upon. And when I, you know, when when you talk about like, is Don, it in America in particular, the 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 heroic myth is always a myth, you know. Um, we were talking about this the other day. I think it's like some inordinate number, like more than half or close to half of the presidents of the United States were raised by a single mom. Oh wow! Yeah, so. Our concept of like what it means to be grow up and be president of the United States—it requires having the right family and what you know—it's—it's not that person necessarily. Mm -hmm. So, Don Draper looks like the ultimate white guy. But he is from rural poverty and from an evangelical background and, you know, uh, went AWOL during the war because he had a self-preservation instinct and is capable of transforming and lying to people and to whoever he is and is a very moral person except for it's completely situational, which makes you the most immoral in a way. So I like look at what does Don want? You know, Don – when Betty finds out who Don is – I mean, yeah, he's cheated on her. Lots of stuff. There's many reasons, but why is that the ultimate insult to her? It's because she married someone who she thought was of a certain class. That's what. Okay, good. So I was ro- okay. to me, yeah, to me. Okay, that's another one that's open interpretation. That's the one I
0: thought too. Is that she realized he wasn't this like super suave blue blood kind of a guy, and yeah. she was like, "Oh, you're garbage." Yeah,
2: and that and this idea in her he head, is white trash. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, and that's that's fun if you're playing lady Chatterley, but i don't think it's fun if you're if you want to live in a and then she goes and, marri- and then she goes and marries another blue blood dude yeah exactly oh, so that's and those rich people um someone was saying this to me today like they were they behaved in a way that we all tried to emulate whether what whatever we perceived them to be they were well read they were charitable they um were patronizing in every aspect but it's like not the attitude of like, you know, look at how many cars I have. Right. And, um, I'm not saying there weren't people like that, but it's not really what it is. And it's in Gatsby, which was the last time we had an economic boom like that. You know, that's about the twenties. I always feel like the, the show, you know, you take Joan in the pilot telling Peggy, like, here's what you're going to strive for. And you see Joan, you know, she married a doctor she, like, quit her job. She now she, – she's a single mother at this point. Like, is that what you expected to ha- – how is that related to her life, right? right. She had that baby who – it's not her husband's baby. This is – by the way, this is another story that a lot of people came up to me and they're like, that's what happened. That's what happened with my mother She or whatever. I, not mine, but people would tell me the story like, my mother had a lover and oh. they couldn't get divorced and so like blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what? How did you find that out when she died? because it was so shameful. So, um, but I just sort of look at like, what are we told to expect? And it's not like there's some force like inventing this bullshit thing. We all agree that's the way we would like to be. Who is that person that has the life that we want? And America, a lot of it has to do with transforming your class, Um, you know, with with starting and, you know, with the Horatio Alger or whatever the bootstrap story is. But I do think that, Don Draper in particular, the hardest thing for him when he got divorced the first time was was admitting that he had, like, gotten all the way there and pulled his whole life together and just could not stick with it. No. And could not keep it together. And why is he trying to feed that need, you know? What, what, is, what is the bad feelings he, that he has about himself that he needs to pursue strangers all the time? I don't know. But uh, it makes him good at advertising. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, but I feel like that the that the why part of it is not always every show does not have to deliver on that, but for us that's what the show's about why i by the way, just as a fun
0: joke, it would have been funny if uh jones kid just had silver hair and it was i know never- he, he doesn't have white hair I, think, little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were like what if? what could we do i know he, he, he's like uh, <laughs> i mean not every you know i don't think everything needs to be answered when a series it, it, it ends but i do think
2: uh, just let's just say right now nobody wants their entire like 92 hours seven years of the show to be judged by the last five minutes of the show right i but, just think it's that, but- sad that's a sad thing But you know people people do that. Everyone should survive it. I don't know if they really do because I've never seen anything so unjustly shit on as Lost. And it's coming back around now as people are discovering it again. The pleasure that people had for years and years of being told a story that they'd never heard before. Yeah. I mean, listen. I
0: I was a huge Lost fan. And I think for me part of the confusion was – the show was about science and mystery and conspiracy, and then in the last season, it became more about good and evil and spirituality. And so, I, I kind of right, right, I yeah. Think, and, and, but what and, are they
2: supposed to do? They got to chan- you know. But I still love the show. Once and, you get over a hundred episodes, like you know, you you try and think it's unless you want to see the same thing over and over and over again. I just think that, that that sometimes you know, like I was on The Sopranos when all people would say, you know, the entire time I was there was like. Not that I had ruined it, because they knew I wasn't... But they were like, <laughs> when's somebody going to get whacked? Right. Like, when's Tony going to fucking kill somebody? Enough with the dreams. Like, nothing happened last night. And I was like... <laughs> A lot of stuff happened. They, he go, they go, yeah, and they go, it wasn't real. And I'm like, <laughs> it, it, n- none, of it's, none of it's real. Just so you know.
0: Well, I just think, I think <laughs> you know, there there is an interesting challenge, because... Some doors that are opened, people are like, why were those doors open? And then other doors, you're sort of like, ah, I get that. I didn't need that one. And you never really know until – because people are going to decide whatever those are. So The
2: Russian was this like on The Sopranos. That was just like an incredible frustration for people. And I I just watched Pine Barrens with my kids. And, uh, you know, definitely one of the – along with the masturbation episode. And I think they probably happened around the same time. The, the, you know, the absolute, you know, the astronauts of television. Those two episodes are just completely flew in the face of everything that had been, yeah. been done on TV. And, uh, you know, they didn't, I said, do you want to know what happened to the Russian? They're like, no. <laughs> I'm like, every, I go, maybe if you were watching it every week instead of like, you know, 10 episodes a day, you might be ruminating in between episodes about what the hell happened to that guy. Or how could they not tell us? He got away. I mean, they, we saw it, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. There's only, there's only like... ambiguity is a tough thing because it is a, the refuge of scoundrels as well. I've been, I've been on shows where people are like, "Well, we'll just leave it open ended," and I'm like, "But you know what happened?"
0: But The Sopranos was pretty open ended. Maybe it wasn't. No, from The writers. Sopra- or... No,
2: I do think that Sopranos is open ended, but it, but it, there are things within the. Re- it wasn't open ended because no one could decide what to do. Right. It wasn't like a cop out for like where you're like I don't know I don't want to take a stand <laughs> Let's just say life's just like that Sometimes you don't know That's not what it was It was literally like a certainly the ending of The Sopranos And I uh, I get asked to talk about it all the time David Chase it. said some stuff about it a couple of years ago Right Yeah like well, A year yeah, ago or something He he It's his thing And uh, I loved it And I've got on record of saying I loved it And I always feel like You know I, I I always feel a little bit on the defensive when I get asked about it But um because it's like I don't know what you want me to say. It's like been ten years and we're still talking about it. So obviously something was right. Yeah. Listen, if anyone is wondering about that, and just it didn't look up, undo the show. No. Just
0: look up the interview that David Chase did a panel somewhere, yeah. and he was like, "Look, this and this and this," and uh, and it's out there if you want to see what it is. The only show I think that was unanimously ended perfectly was Newhart. Is yeah. the most perfect ending because for it, that show, for that show, because it basically. You had to have watched the first series (laughs) for it to have made sense. It was a funny idea. And it was just like they
2: stuck the landing on it and that was it. It was a huge joke. Yeah, that was great
0: because um, the show itself became very surreal. Like the comedy on the show in the beginning of the show it was very much like I'm an innkeeper. It's crazy. Oh, that show was really. Yeah. yeah that and, was then, the... and then Newhart itself just like went way off the rails and got yeah. really surreal with Larry and the Daryls and, and all the, the craziness. Darryl, yeah. And and so to end it in a very in, in that sort of that way, show. like it made the entire series make sense. And Bob was so uh, normal. Yeah.
2: He's so, he's so great.
0: It's still, still amazing. Yeah. So as, as, as we're wrapping up here, sure. first of all, hey, fucking congratulations Thank on, you. on a huge, Thank you. like on a show that's been one of the most important pop culture flags uh, um, in, in, the, in, the, very in the ground of television. Um, very flattering. Uh, it, it influenced the way uh, cable shows are made, influenced uh, styles. Brought us uh, people like uh, like Ham uh, 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 and, and Christina and yeah. Elizabeth, like so many great performers. And then also, you know, like really taught us about like having continuing a conversation about a show. And pull right. this into this world and into the subculture. It was just like on all
2: – I mean like – I That's hope I was going to say like I hope that like whatever our conversation is here, it's like I don't get to participate in that conversation. That's my frustration. I just hope you my take it as – show is my conversation. I hope you take it as all 100% victory. I can't believe it happened. Yeah. And I can't believe that someone comes up and says, I'm Sally or I'm Don. And you never know who's going to say I'm Don, by the way. It's not just men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and their age varies very much. Don hit a nerve with people. Um, I can't believe that I got to have this, like, experience of, like, you know. And I work with so many people. It's like I, 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 I in all of these conversations. But there are so many people people's lives wrapped up in it. And I don't mean, like, you know, oh, they were great to, you know, be along for the ride. I mean, who literally contributed storylines and personal things from their lives. And and got all the details right. And, you know, there's, there's props in the show because it's, it's of a period that are like belong to people's grandparents. Oh wow. Yeah. There, there's so much personal shit in the show. I can't even tell you like, not just mine, everybody's. So, and that, by the way, was a, was very fulfilling because I would get to hear everybody's stories and I'm a junkie for that shit anyway. But I've also gotten to hear the stories of a lot of strangers and that if your goal is to create something so that other people don't feel alone and also you don't feel alone then I, I i i feel like the luckiest person in the world and i'm knocking on your wooden table here this is a solid wooden table I like the luckiest person in the world and what is that horse doing here <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, it was far told. Uh, <laughs> oh so, my god what so- would quincy say uh, it was murder.
0: Quincy, you, you know what Quincy <laughs> would say? At some point, Quincy would be like, wait a minute, I, I work in the morgue. Like, I shouldn't be out investigating crimes. <laughs> Just like Chips would be like, we're highway patrolmen. We shouldn't be off the freeway investigating crimes. (laughs) Just like Mannix would be like, what? Just like Dennis Weaver would be like, I'm a cowboy. I shouldn't be
2: investigating crimes. Oh, those rules. How could people not know when they saw Columbo walking up their driveway that they were were done? Yeah. How many people think they're smarter than Columbo? Like season seven. The the nail and the (laughs) fucking. Yeah. How about even worse? How about. Angela Lansbury. Oh yeah, but I, how would whole... you not No, 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 no. But has anyone been around so many murders in their life?
0: But you see, this is my theory <laughs> on that. First of all, you know you're fucked if you hear Columb if if you're just if Columbo's talking to you and you're like, please don't say just one more thing, please don't say just one more <laughs> thing. Like, you know, if you're, then you're fucked. But you know, my my longstanding theory on this podcast is that Angela Lansbury that um, that the character of Jessica Fletcher is the murderer.
2: That would make so much sense. Of course it would. Because she loves the attention. Because, and and I've said this before, but... All those innocent people. That that, that
0: all of Murder, She Wrote... (laughs) You're 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 only a probably if you're lucky, you'll never be around a murder in your life. If you're lucky, if you live in a small town in Maine and you're around, you know, t- uh, t- what what twelve every seasons week times twenty episodes every week someone gets killed. Not counting the ones that Tom Bosley stepped in because she was doing something else. But <laughs> but if you're around hundreds of murders, you're the fucking murderer unless you're a cop. And and she, I think the entire series is her retelling the events because she was such a narcissist. Of putting the murders on other people, and she's writing this me- this narcissistic memoir from prison, and that's the entire murder— Murder she wrote! The fucking title
2: tells you! What is the ending of that show? What was the last episode? Did they ever reveal this? I don't remember— I have to go back to my home planet now. And How do they, like, escalate that for their big ending? I don't know. But I they, think Were the, they just like, hey, we're going to do six murders this week because it's the last one?
0: I, you know, <laughs> if I ever became friends with Angela Lansbury, what I would do is, is convince her to shoot an Easter egg that you would tack on the last episode of her, like, putting the typewriter away in the jail cell and having, and having the warden go, all right, Mrs. Fletcher, lights out. You know, of, like, her going, no, Dirk Benedict did it, you know? And she was like, no. <coughs> Um, but here's what I'm going to do I'm going to run P really fast And then if you still have five minutes yeah. I, I want you to t- tell your theory About Blue Velvet Oh sure uh, So okay. I'm just going to go I'm just going to P really
2: fast So Okay um, So this crackpot theory that I have Is an yes. English major theory Yes uh, Which I wasn't by the way I was in some weird major uh, That was philosophy, literature, and history mixed oh, nice. together, And it had no grades Which my father as a professor Found to be hilarious <laughs> But you, you know How do you grade a philosophy paper? Uh, oh they have no problems with that. Oh no, that's uh, true. But, yeah, yeah no, they have no major. problems with it. Yeah. I had I had um, they had these comments where they would write down like way worse than getting a C. They would write like, you know, you never went to class or you were, you know Your professor uh, would prove you don't exist because yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> would say things like, you know, you don't have a serious attitude about this, you're you know, you didn't show up, like all the things you want your parents want to read about your behavior. So, where if I'd just gotten a B, yep. just, you know, what's the difference? I
0: think you could freak but out my your philosophy
2: father. professor
0: and convince him that all of his that none of it exists, that all of his students are just extensions of his ego. <laughs> uh, and
2: yeah, then, they would. And then, get, and then get off. You'd probably get an A. <laughs> um, so, anyway, no. My thought is is that, you know, and Blue Velvet was very important when I, at least in the, not just in the entertainment community, to everybody. That movie came out and was really Earthshaking, especially at the height of the Reagan era, mm-hmm. you know, just to see a movie that had all of this kitsch in it and this sort of perverse sense of, of – uh, I mean, it's a very dark movie. But the story about a young guy who is in, in Blue Velvet – in, in The Graduate, he's just left college. He's just graduated from college, and Blue Velvet, he's come home because his father's sick, who is basically exploring the dark side and getting involved with a woman – Let's say it's Isabella Rossellini, let's say it's Anne Bancroft, yep. who is in an inappropriate situation, who is dangerous and scary and older than him, and then having at the same time – it happens to be you know, the daughter, uh, Catherine Ross, or uh, Laura Dern, a more innocent, more appropriate uh, person who's in the relationship, and getting pulled into this – committing the sin and then getting pulled into that dark world – and having to pay for that sin with the cost of your relationship with the girl who's appropriate for you. Right. And I always just felt like as a coming of age story that, you know, there's no Frank Booth in The Graduate, but there is the husband, you know, there is a, there is a reckoning for being with the wrong woman. You know, you're, you're, you're with another man's wife. That's what's going to happen. And in The Graduate, I mean, and in Blue Velvet, to me, it felt like the same sort of like a darker version, but the same sort of coming of age of getting involved in this adventure because you're exploring your carnal, darker side. And you're going to, you know, are you in the end, are you going to end up with the with the age appropriate, sweet, virginal, whatever uh, girl that you're supposed to be with?
0: So do those seem similar to you? I, at all? I think they do seem very similar. And now I would like to see a
2: David Lynch directed The Graduate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's why they resonated. Quite honestly, I mean, at Blue Velvet. I don't know. Blue Velvet didn't exactly have like the culture like explosion that The Graduate had, but um, I I think that they're that they had a very similar influence for a bunch of people, certainly getting out of college or yeah. deciding what they're going to do to sort of say like, okay. I want to be the regular guy in this world. I want to be the hero of the story, but I really shouldn't have been with that woman. Am I rescuing her? Is she rescuing me? And I'm, you know, you know, and they're very different movies in every other way. But they are very similar stories. Um, just like, well, this is an interesting thing because I have a
0: theory that Tootsie and Titanic are the same movie. Is, are you kidding? Yes.
2: Oh, I was, just I was really interested. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, story's good. It's worth telling. It's worth telling over and over again.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, and, and
2: again, it's not, you know. But- I have a weird feeling that Iron Man and Iron Man 2 are similar. <laughs> <laughs> he's still Iron Man I'm wondering if this Age of Ultron thing is going to be anything like that movie I saw called The Avengers
0: no, it's different because Ultron wasn't really in Avengers and so it's now right, he's a so different, it's, a, it's a totally different totally thing different movie. Okay, good. But,
2: there's a, but there really only are a handful of story
0: mechanisms that you can tell it's there just, are only a
2: handful but they can be told in very in very, very different, different ways. ways yeah, yeah. And, absolutely and, you know, and point of view is everything you know right? one thing that I hear that's very
0: consistent with shows that are really 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 good and considered like the best shows on television I mean I'm talking about you know Mad Men Seinfeld Breaking Bad whatever the show is Game of Thrones is probably the only one because it's based on a, an existing work of fiction right. but, but it's hearing what you said where it's like people are bringing in real things that happen to them oh it's amazing and,
2: and not like when you sometimes they don't even know it's a story right Sometimes they're just like, yeah, my grandmother, you know, oh, my God. You know, she used to uh, save her own urine because she was afraid that people would, like, you know, use it for voodoo. And you're like, what? It's too close to you to think like, that yeah, it's yeah, you know how old people do that. I'm like, no, no they don't. That's no, that's We have to put that
0: in. A, that's, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course exactly. that's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's, those, it's those nuggets. It's those little
2: details that make it unique and special Sometimes and authentic. Two writers are together and they'll tell a story and someone goes, you can't have this. Oh yeah. yeah use this. What happens use this. with comics too oh, like you sure. Are you going to i I'm not and it gets a little muddy because if you if both, both witnessed it. And, what are you going to And if you're
0: both tagging the joke like whose joke was it, you know?
2: Oh yeah. Um, it's my joke. I'm pretty sure <laughs> you're the guest. You get yeah, it's my joke. If you want to use that horse
0: fucking thing and don't no, your bet, next you know things, what? you I, know what? I
2: think you have a record that you started that.
0: Yeah, I know. But you know, listen, if you want to, but I have known for my work with horses. So okay, well, if, I'm just saying, if you want to make Hot to Trot 2 uh, <laughs> I
2: love that movie.
1: <laughs> I love that movie.
2: I love that movie. <laughs> Dabney Coleman, Bob Go- Cat Goldthwaite, Those talking horses are fucking hilarious. I love that movie. Dabney Coleman. Yeah, and uh, who was John Candy's the horse? Right? Was John Candy the horse in The <coughs> to Oh yeah, oh yeah. If I'm you say sure. he was, I believe you. It's yeah, been I'd a be while. I'd be surprised, but that movie and and Dabney Coleman as always the funniest thing of everything he fucking does. Fucking love Dabney Coleman. Oh my god. Loved seeing him on
0: *Boardwalk*, but I would just want I
2: want to see him do. On boardwalk, you wanted to see him just lose it.
0: I want to. I want to put he's him. He's pretty scary. He's really scary, but yeah. I want to. I want to put him back Speaking in. Speaking of comedy. tootsie too, tootsie, tootsie, he was yes. great in that. He was fantastic in everything. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic in everything.
2: Yeah. Is it John Candy? I need to know, and then we can go. I think you're right. Can we put some money on it?
0: No, because because I think you you're agree. Right.
2: Oh, yeah. that's no fun. I'm not used to this whole agreeing thing. How about, it? Is John All Candy. right? You can't beat it. Hot to you trot. can't beat that. That is a movie that I would have bought if I could. Oh man! I guess you can now. Yeah, now you can. Yeah, <laughs> now, now you're gonna take that home.
0: Now when you're showing your, now when you're showing your, My kids, kids the Sopranos, would love that movie. You be like
2: your sorbet will be like. Yeah. Hot to Trot. I know you guys like the Sopranos and all, and I know I made you watch Hiroshima Mon Amour, but let's. <laughs> let's but sit Hot down. to Trot, is I want you to really, see Hot to Trot. Yeah, because I think for honestly, it totally, it it was the you know. It really just changed the whole genre of the Talking Horse movie. It really did. You know, before that... Because he was... had a family. Yeah. Mr.
0: Ed was just a weird drifter.
2: <laughs> uh, uh... Mr. Ed <laughs> really... Mr. Ed had a dark past. Mr. Ed had a thing where you actually really thought that, that he was crazy. That oh. That it wasn't really happening. Oh, that, that, that Wilbur that, was... Wilbur, that Wilbur did... did yeah, because Mr. Ed didn't do shit, really. He just gave a lot of advice. Yeah Right I mean did he, I get think in, so. he Embarrassed a, him occasionally That's
0: similar to that Comic strip that would take uh, that, would, that would take Garfield It's called Garfield Without Garfield oh, yeah. That this, these guys Made a web comic And they basically Just removed Garfield From all the panels oh, So John so. Arbuckle Looks like a fucking lunatic <laughs>
2: Just talking to himself, this sad weirdo talking oh, to himself. Garfield is an interesting thing. You got to be careful about who really likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ziggy. Ziggy to we me. We just,
0: just talked Z- about Ziggy the other day. What the? Ziggy was the such a symbol
2: of low self esteem.
0: So, just so sad. I, I always feel like Ziggy and Kathy would have gotten together, but in a very bad, <laughs> no, codependent, you,
2: shitty relationship. Kathy, like, the world was rigged against her. Kathy had a sense of humor, Kathy was a pistol yeah but that's why Ziggy <laughs> Ziggy needs to be like Ziggy needs like el- uh, electronic convulsive therapy no, like I 24 know, hours a day I know
0: that Kathy has a sense sensitive Ziggy like- would
2: kill himself but he can't get a rope around that head <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he – but Kathy would have wanted someone to basically give her what she was not getting it's in like the he workplace. He didn't have a neck. He didn't – I know he didn't have a neck. Yeah. But he was all – he was basically just face and butthole. Like that <laughs> was his whole – No, but wait. Wait. Kathy, w- the workplace, so what were you saying? I'm saying she needed the validation
2: and how – like he would have completely – they would have had a, such a fucked up codependent relationship. Do you understand that Kathy used to say things like, ah – yeah, she used to explain uh, but Ziggy was never he was okay, always Okay, maybe like, maybe oh, Kathy sun, and you know what? The Ka- sunset because I'm here. Yeah, I think the Cap- sun Kathy went
0: and down Dilbert the Gilbert in the copy room me. once oh, yeah, but then never true. spoke
2: again. Ziggy was just a weird metaphysical being. There is a woman who has a who has a there is a female character who has that kind of uh attitude about themselves. I can't remember. I used to read all of those things and just be puzzled cuz I realized like Mary Worth and all the really boring ones that adults were reading them. Yeah. And, you know, this is three frames at a time. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does it take? The girls in apartment 3G? Like, what is going on? Rex Who? Morgan, MD? Yeah, how I don't can know. you tell the difference? Who is what? I
0: have no idea. They all look the same. Serialized comic strips for adults. That's why Gary Larson
2: is so amazing. That shit just was like, I was like, oh, there's that. And I also loved all of the um, BC... Yeah, and Wizard of Wizard Id. Of Ed, yeah, Bloom County, more, Bloom County was Bloom County was Bloom, on another Bloom level. County was. Bloom County
0: because Doonesbury was slightly too political for my brain. I didn't know when who I the was people a kid. were in Dunesbury. Uh, Bloom County was like Doonesbury for crazy people, and I loved it. Bloom County was yeah was yeah,
2: it's a different thing.
0: And I, and I and I really I
2: really very too smart yeah and it was also
0: there was a little too much of a message to it like bloom county was just fucking weird and just a weird <laughs> comment steve, this character of steve dallas was yeah. so fucking funny oh, to yeah, me yeah. and bill yeah.
2: the cat and yeah. open like all of it i fucking loved it my so roommate much. my freshman year was really into it and he had all the books and i also loved calvin and hobbes of course i mean you can't it's a bit with a philosophy background of course like, yeah that's all that's all yeah philosophy. there was a lot of philosophy in there but that tiger is not a real tiger and i was disappointed that it was just all imagination. That it was his imagination, because I don't have one. Yeah. I told you, I don't like symbols. <laughs> I don't like any of that stuff. I'm like, I want a real tiger. And I, I, I hate him for trolling us like that. For making us think that that tiger was real and then all now, of a sudden it's a doll that's a that's a version
0: of a of a, of a, of a way to upset your audience because you've taken <laughs> them on a journey <laughs> I know and you want it to be I want real tigers because it's basically he owed it to me it's basically him saying like <laughs> that's not real your friends aren't real you're not real
2: I know I
0: and know. then that's why Calvin is acting up and peeing on the backs of all those cars I see driving I around he's best. California he's the best I wanted that hairdo but it's too late <laughs> you can see have it. Bring back the wig. <laughs> I'm gonna bring the back Calvin the wig. wig. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, you so much. You. As always, so a pleasure. Enjoy the
2: rest. Congratulations.
0: Of your day. Enjoy your burrito. You. Where's your book? Oh, I didn't bring the book. Maybe you just signed a blank piece of paper. But I'm almost positive.
2: Like this thing made out to Cash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll add in this stuff later.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: Just we'll fill it in later.
0: do A million and f- and five million dollars.
2: No murder, no suicide, and best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, he promised to keep you
0: safe. They killed her. You took everything. In a world that doesn't feel so safe
2: anymore, we're waiting for you here in Pura. The last city is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery.